if they're asking you for money up front, out of pocket for anything, they're making money off you, not for you. This is Taylor Stevens, the award-winning and New York Times best-selling author of the kick-ass Vanessa Michael Monroe series. And this is the Taylor Stevens Show with Steve Campbell, and we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. Okay. Now, speaking of one word at a time, those of us who are on your email list, we, we get regular emails, typically about writing and publishing and life management type things, always interesting, but once a month, Almost always around the 15th, there's this email from you that, uh, is it called the Newsies? Something like that. An, yeah, I call it a Newsie. And this last one we got wasn't on the 15th. It was a little before the 15th, but we didn't get one prior to that. So it was sort of a combo Newsies, and I think people might be interested in why that happened. Because um, I just ran out of time. <laughs> <laughs> we need you know, to do a show on time management. Right. Um, well, you know, December was rather chaotic and in a, in a sense because I completely took off work. Like I, I, st- I didn't write at all for the month of December. And I'd had this goal that I would get into writing as soon as January rolled around. And that didn't happen because, you know, January didn't really start until the 7th. And then... Um, my agent was gone, and then I wasn't, didn't really get anything done. I was like, I have nothing to write about. <laughs> so um, I, I didn't get anything to write about in January by the time a newsie would roll around. So I was like, you know what? Let's just combine this and put it all into one, which I think was really smart, and I'm so tempted to do it regularly. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I will say that, that you were kind enough to double the number of prize winners because you always have in each of the newsies there's a giveaway, and yeah. you give things away. And I am proud to admit that for, I think, maybe the 24th or 30th month in a row, I didn't win again. Well, you know, I keep telling people that you know, the odds are not always in your favor. <laughs> but that's why I try and do a few different versions of the of the goodie giveaway. Well, one is complete randomness and the other is based on responses, like at which which number of response you are. If you're the fifth person to respond to this email, then, you know, the 5th, the 15th, and the 25th. It's always random numbers. That way, there's more chances to win. I think you have my email address blocked in your random number generator. And I, I'm, <laughs> I assure I'm convinced you that of it. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to the topic. Today's topic uh, is agent agreements. We're going to be talking about agent agreements. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, wow, what a boring topic, but this can be pretty interesting, and it's extremely important if you decide uh, that you need an agent in your writing career. There isn't one standard agent agreement that every author signs, so it's important to understand the different components of the agreements, and that's what we're talking about today. So, Taylor, tell us about agent agreements. Well, I wanted to to discuss this because, um, you know, we did a show on how to find agents before, and those are usually the questions that that aspiring authors write is, you know, where do you look to find an agent? What are the criteria you're searching for? And um, how do you know if you're getting scammed and stuff? And and so we did a show on that um, earlier. But I realized that um, we've never really talked about what happens when you actually have an agent agent. 
who, who's offering to represent you. And this came to mind because one of my listeners had said to me something along the lines of that they had been very blessed in their professional life of not having to deal with a lot of fraudsters or scammers. And so they have had this sort of fear or um, belief that they would be easily taken advantage of in an author-agent situation, and so that it would have been helpful them, to them to understand what are the basics that show up in an agent agreement and how do they know if they're um, signing something that is, is to their benefit or not. And I thought that was a very astute question and, and definitely deserving of an answer. And, um, and it, it highlights a really important point, which is that um, the author-agent agreement is a contract. And when you sign that agreement, assuming that the agent is able to sell the rights to your work to a publisher, that is an exclusive right to represent your work. By exclusive, it means that it's not just the publishers. It is, this is the only person in your life who has the right to sell that work to anyone and, and any of the rights, um, whether they're film rights or, or what have you. So you really don't want to get in a relationship with somebody who has so much control over your material without, you know, really thinking through what it is you're, get, you're getting into. And so when an agent sells those rights, it's usually for the length of, of contract. So if they sell your, your print rights to a publisher, the, the length of contract is typically life of copyright, which is going to be your life and then, what, 70 years beyond or something. That's a really, really, really long time. So, um, you know, just you want, you want to know what you're getting, getting yourself into. It's a long relationship. Even if you fire your agent, uh, you go find another agent, that agent will always be the exclusive represent, the, have an exclusive right to represent that work. And they are able to get film deals and foreign deals and all that working through sub-agents. That, that's how that works. But you can't go off and, and do that yourself. Or you can, but they're still going to get a, a percentage of those proceeds. So when it comes to the percentages that, that agents take, um, the, the one big way that you can know whether the agent is legit or not is just, it's sort of like a baseline for legitimacy, is that, and this has to do with traditional publishing. It's completely different for self-publishing. Different concept, different everything. So, you know, let's just get those caveats in there. But if they're asking you for money up front, out of pocket for anything, they're making money off you, not for you. So if they're suggesting or requiring that you have your manuscript read or assessed by them or by somebody else for this small fee or that false small fee or whatever, you're not the client, you're the piggy bank. <laughs> That's how you know the difference between a legitimate agent and a, a scammer, just straight off the bat. Now, with, with all agents, you know, there's going to be different levels of skill. And as we spoke about in, in our prior episode that we did on agents, um, it is very much an industry of who you know, even more than what you know. And so that is beyond what we're talking about today, which is the agent agreement. But... Um, not all agents are created equal and not all agent agreements are created equal. Some agencies have really, really, really long agreements that authors are required to sign. Some do it on a handshake. My agency did it on a handshake. Their philosophy was, we don't want you to stay with us if you're not happy. 
I think that's brilliant. So far, it hasn't bit them in the butt. It hasn't bit me in the butt. But I did ask them to put it in writing, just the, the real basics. And what I wanted and what any author is going to want to see is the percentages that they take um, for, for any rights that they sell. And these are typically going to be print, film, and foreign. And generally speaking, print and film, from what I have seen, are the same percentage. Um, it used to be that agents took 10%, then it moved up to 15%. Some agencies have started asking 20. I don't know if anybody's ever gone for 25 yet. I think somewhere in the range between 15 and 20 is pretty standard these days. For foreign rights, they typically go up about 5%. So if you're getting 15%, you have a 15% agreement on your books and film, they're probably going to ask 20% for foreign. And that's because they're it's a whole other ball game dealing with foreign agents and foreign sub-agents and everything. And there's more people taking um, a percentage of the pie. Uh, in, in the case of both film and foreign, you, you mentioned that there may be sub-agents involved. So the percentage that the agent takes from this agency agreement is 10, 15, or 20 percent of what they get. Uh, n- no, what, what it'll be is like, let's say that my agent introduces me to a film agent Mm -hmm. who decides to take on and represent my work as a sub-agent. Whatever that film agent negotiates as the the contract, the agency fee is what my agent charges. So let's just for, for really easy math, this is not real world math, let's say that someone sells a film, the film agent sells a film for $100,000. Well, my agency has a 15% fee. So they're going to take, help me with the math here. $15,000. right? (laughs) My agent will get that $15,000. Now she's going to have an agreement directly with that other agent and she's going to write him the percentage out of hers. So okay. if they have if they have a 50-50 split agreement, then half of her 15,000 is going to him. Okay, so let me walk through it again. So uh, they sell the film rights to a novel for $100,000 and your agreement with your agency is that they get 15% and that's that's it. So they get 15% uh, whatever they have worked out with the film subagent uh, is up to them. You wind up getting the 85% regardless. Yes. Okay. That's how it's supposed to work. And it, it works similarly with subagents for foreign rights and stuff, but in those cases the author will probably get less than the full 85% or 80% or whatever it is because foreign taxes will likely be pulled out as well. Okay. But I, I don't know. It, it's, it gets really complicated, and, and I haven't had a lot of experience because all my foreign rights have been through, direct through my publisher. Those are really, really basic things that all agents, all agency agreements should have in them. But some agencies do a rights grab, and they'll put stuff in their agency agreements that are a little bit, depending on who you ask, maybe not so ethical. One of those is what's called a perpetual agency clause, and it might mean might have different way, like it might be called something else in the agency agreement, and it's not going to spell it out in plain English what they're talking about, but basically what it's giving them is the right to represent that work forever, 
not life of contract, not other things forever. And so where that can bite an author in the butt is let's say the author has a book that published originally traditionally and then it went out of print and the rights reverted back to the author. So now the author decides that they want to self-publish that work. Well, as far as the agency is concerned, they should be getting a percentage now of any of the author's self-published proceeds of that work because they weren't representing him for life of contract. They were rep representing that book in perpetuity. Now, some agencies will take it even further where they have a clause that basically says that they have a right to, to the author's work for as long as they are the agent of record. This, where this matters the most is with um, hybrid authors who publish some books traditionally and publish some books on their own, self-published. What, what this clause is saying is that as long as we're representing you as your agent, we don't care where you're selling your stuff or who's doing the selling, we get a percentage of that. So they're going to get their their agency agreement is going to say that they get they have that commission based on any of the author's works as long as they are agent of record. So they're trying to grab percentages that they didn't even work for. And that like takes the unethical ability of it even a step further. And I would say that at that point they are not upholding their fiduciary duty to look out for the author's best behalf because they're trying to take from things that they didn't even have anything to do with. So those are the types, the, the main things that I know of that agencies will sometimes try and slip into their agreements that could really burn an author down the road. Um, when an agent has that exclusive right to represent your work, it should only be on works that they themselves have sold the, the rights that they themselves or their agency has sold, and it should only be for the length of the contract of the rights that they have sold. So if the agent is doing um, a licensing agreement where the publisher only has the work for a, a short amount of time, not life of contract, and this, it's not common, but it does happen, well, once those rights revert back to the author and the publisher doesn't have a right to publish it anymore, that's when the agent's commission should stop. Okay. Uh, let me ask a, a sort of a technical question. Okay. And it, it's not so much about agreements, but uh, expectations uh, of dealing with an agency. Are there situations uh, where agencies provide editorial support uh, to help an author get their book ready to, to send to a publisher? Yes, absolutely. I mean, not all agents do it, and not um, all agents do it well of those who do it. But generally speaking, um, that agent has a vested interest in your work to try and get it as good as it possibly can be uh, to be able to sell it to for the highest price possible. And because they are in the industry and they, they know what different editors are looking for and because they are immersed in the world of books, they're going to spot flaws in your work that you won't see. And some agents are really good at, at figuring out how to help you fix those flaws. They won't do the fixing for you, but they'll have recommendations and suggestions. And those are going to be big picture type things. It's not going to be put a comma here, put a comma there, although my, when 
my punctuation is notoriously bad and my agent does sometimes delete unnecessary comments for me <laughs> just just as she's reading through it um but uh but not all agents do and so you know if if you do have an agent who's offering to represent then you're going to want to have a conversation with them you're going to want to see a sample of their agent agreement you're going to want to talk about what you can expect from them and how they work and, and what they're going to expect from you. You're going to um, want to discuss any situations that might not be covered in their agreement. Maybe you're considering being a hybrid author in the future and they don't speak to the issue of self-publishing in their um, in their agreement. Well, you'd probably want to know before you sign that thing if they're going to fire you as a client if they find out that you're self-publishing Books as well. Like the agent is your teammate. You're not going to want to do anything behind their back. You're going to want to keep them fully informed because they're looking out for your career. So you need to know straight up if this is going to be a problem for them. And if it is, is it fixable? And if it's not, great. Um, what their concerns would be. And you're probably going to want to try and get some of that recapped in writing in an email so that you have reference to go back to um, years down the road if, if something comes up. And if you're not used to negotiating things, if you get queasy in the stomach when you think about things like buying a car. I mean, this is this is a business relationship, and they're not going to be offended by these questions. It's, it's best to, to get the answers up front, to get all of your concerns on the table. And I want to circle all the way back to the beginning, because <clears throat> Taylor said that, that some agents will help you during the editorial process. Uh, but again, go back to the first thing Taylor said, which was, if they're charging you for it, run. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Generally speaking, um, and this is why agents are so picky about the works that they take on, is they know that there's going to be a lot of work before they can even start selling that those rights to publishers, and that's part of their cost of doing business. They're investing their time, their mental energy, and um, effort into trying to help your work succeed, and that's all going to be on the front end before they ever get anything for it, assuming that they're able to sell it. So um, the, the ethical agents, they don't, they don't charge for that because they know, they believe in their work and, um, and their ability to sell enough that they're, they're not trying to nickel and dime you along the way. All right. We've been talking about agent agreements and the importance of understanding them and getting it all right. Because once you get all of this right, you're able to focus on kicking your writing in the butt one word at a time, which is what we do here on The Taylor Stevens Show. All right, before we go, if you like what we're talking about and you're not on Taylor's email list, go to her website, which is www.taylorstevensbooks.com and click on the connect with me button, something like that. That is, that is right. All right, click on that button, sign up for the email list because... This is what she talks about. So if you found this interesting, you found it helpful, uh, Taylor's email messages will be helpful to you as well. Any closing comments? Um, thanks for listening. I love your questions. Keep sending them. That gives us an ability to help give you what you need on this show and help you to kick writing in the butt one word at a time. So don't be shy. Uh, even if you think that your question is dumb, it's not dumb to us, and we want to hear it. <laughs>